welcome to another episode of the Freewheeling Podcast. It is Monday, August 23rd. This week is a little bit different. Lauren, Amy, and Gracie are not with me this week. Instead, I called on Greta Nemanis, who I've done a couple of episodes with in the past. For this episode, we wanted to talk about the Paralympic Games that are starting, well, if you're listening to this episode on Monday, they start tomorrow on Tuesday, August 24th, the parallel of the Olympic Games. Greta will explain in a minute, but I am really, really happy to have Greta on this episode and to talk about the Paralympic Games. I think oftentimes we watch the Olympics, we get super stoked on that, and then the sports high wears off and the Paralympics get kind of forgotten. And they're incredible athletes doing amazing things. So we really wanted to highlight the cyclists of the Paralympic Games and explain what the categories mean. It can be a little bit confusing if you don't know exactly how they break it down. So Greta and I did that for you in this episode. Matt Deneef also, I mentioned it multiple times while talking to Greta, but he wrote an incredible guide. So I will add that to the show notes of this episode. Before we get going, this episode is brought to you by Pock Sports and their Aspire and Devour sunglasses. The Aspire has been refined to deliver better performance to the bike while retaining its urban style. These glasses are awesome for on the bike and off the bike. The lightweight frame provides flexibility and durability, staying true to Pock's active heritage. The glasses feature hydrophilic rubber grips on the nose and temple to ensure a secure fit even when wet. Featuring clarity technology in the lenses that control the color spectrum for enhanced contrast and color definition so that your vision can stay clear while riding the road, mountain bike, or even in urban environments. The Devour sunglasses are based on the principle that when you see every detail, you can react to all dangers. They also use the clarity lens technology and are fully adjustable to fit any head size and shape. Check out both the Aspire and the Devour sunglasses on pocksports.com. And thank you so much to Pock for sponsoring this episode. Now let's chat with Greta. Hello, and welcome back to How About Dem Apples? <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> that joke will never get old, even though it's been years. Six years. Six years. Wow. Okay. Too many. Too many years. If you're confused, that's fine. I'm Abby Mickey. I'm joined by Greta Nemanis. Greta, hello. Hello. Paralympic cyclist who's here to break down the Paralympics for us, for anyone who doesn't know. You will know after this podcast, hopefully, at least something. Hopefully, you learned something today. The reason that I opened the podcast the way that I did is because we used to be teammates back in 2014, and we we wanted to start a podcast back then called How About Them Apples? What was it going to be about? I don't know. Apples? Loosely related to apples somehow. Yeah. Who knows? <laughs> anyway, before we dive into the Paralympics... Do you, would you like to introduce yourself? No, thank you. I'm kidding. Yes, I would love to. Uh, my name is Greta Namanis. And like Abby said, we used to be teammates on 2016 for cycling. And we were teammates for a couple of years. I also raced with the national team with the Paralympic 
national team um, for almost 11 years. I went to two Paralympic Games in 2008 and 2012, um, World Championships, won some races, lost a lot of races, and now I'm retired and work as, um, well, I have a real job now um, with a consistent paycheck, but also volunteer my time as an athlete advocate with the Athletes Advisory Council in the U.S. How wild is it to have a real job after cycling for so long? You know, it's very strange. Um, it's nice. It's a little bit. It's a little bit stressful in that I have an office and a cubicle, and um, like had to pick out a health insurance plan. But it's also really nice to consistently get paid and to have a health insurance plan that is reliable and <laughs> and to have like uh, comfort. Yeah. Well, congratulations. Thank you. It's a here. Before we before we kind of get into the Paralympics and everything, I do want to hear about the Wounded Warriors Project a little bit. And if anyone who's been listening to this podcast for a year, maybe a year and a half, I can't remember when we spoke last. We did I did have an episode with you before about kind of you were dabbling in the Wounded Warriors Project and you were doing a lot of um, anti-doping related uh work and i want to hear more about the wounded wounded warriors project before we start talking about the paralympics yeah totally after i retired i transitioned into coaching and got involved with the military's adaptive sports program um actually one of my former juniors coaches and brought me on as an assistant to him um, and was working with the navy and coast guard and their adaptive sports program their cycling specifically uh, and then from there, just realized that I really enjoyed working with the military population. Uh, a lot of there's a lot of similarities in mindset between soldiers and athletes um, in terms of like identity and work ethic and drive and a lot of those you know what people call like the soft skills. Um, and so I just I really like that population. And a few months ago. Had, excuse me, saw a job opening with Wounded Warrior Project that um, was here in the DC area. Um, and I threw my hat in the ring and, and landed a job with them. Um, so, Wounded Warrior Project is uh, an organization that helps veterans and their families with all sorts of different resources, everything from sports, um, adaptive sports, and physical health and wellness, but also like jobs training and placement to help translate a lot of those skills that they that people develop from the military life and translate that to civilian life. Um, so a lot of similarities between athletes retiring and, you know, how do you translate the skills you learn as a pro athlete to the quote unquote real life. Um, and so it's just, it's been a really good fit. Um, I've been with them now officially for about three months um, and it's awesome and get to help people make connections with each other and rebuild their own little communities and support networks. That's awesome. I love that you work um, with other people to help them. I love that you're helping other people because I know when we were teammates, you have this incredibly bubbly personality that kind of just makes anyone feel welcome. And I think that's a great, great fit for you. So, Oh, thank you. So should we talk about the Paralympics? I think one of the most important things that I think we should get out of the way right away 
is the proper terms to use because I saw this posted um, on the Paralympic webs on the Paralympic Instagram and you also reposted it and I think that this is something that people don't don't necessarily know. I think terms in general are something that are becoming a lot more um, it's a lot more important to know what the group in question would like to use and and I think that's where we should start. Uh, so do you want to take it away with kind of the terms, the terms that are okay and the terms that we, we probably don't use anymore? Sure. Yeah, there is, there is a really good infographic that's been circulating on social media. Um, but you know, it it gives a really a nice breakdown of things that terms that are kind of outdated, um, you know, saying that somebody is wheelchair bound now, you know, like that's not, that's just, it's an outdated term. Um, so we would say wheelchair user, um, you know, and put the emphasis on the person rather than an adaptation that they might use um, in, in everyday life. Um, you know, a person who is blind, an athlete who is blind, a cyclist with a disability, um, things like that. Um, terms that are no longer used are victim, handicapped, retarded, differently abled, and crippled. So those are terms that are out, um, which I feel like a lot of them is self-explanatory. Instead, disability, person with a disability, is there an acronym for that? Um, I've seen I've seen some people write PWD, like person with a disability. Hmm. Um, I, th- I think that's okay. Um, you know, if you're writing it out, person with a disability is kind of long. Um, you could also just like say their name. Um, yeah. <laughs> if you're, you know, if you're writing something or talking about a person. Um, um, another important one is instead of para Olympics, it's just Paralympics. There's no O in there. Um, P-A-R-A-L-Y-M-P-I-C-S. Spelling is fun. And that personally, that is probably my biggest like pet peeve, I guess, um, is, you know, hearing people say like para Olympics or special Olympics or, um, you know, referencing the Olympics as the regular or the normal Olympics. Um, like we're the, the Paralympics were created um, and intended to be the para actually comes from the word parallel to be held like in conjunction and alongside. Um, and a lot of people kind of, I think, just assume that the para comes from like paraplegic or paralyzed, um, but it actually comes from the word parallel. Um, and then, like you said, they use a wheelchair, they have a disability instead of confined to a wheelchair or affected by a disability. Which is, as you said, making, um, not putting the focus of the statement on the item, more on the person. Exactly. Yeah. You know, and and I think maybe a maybe a good analogy would be, you know, I would not want to be referred to as like a lady cyclist, <laughs> but I'm a cyclist. Yeah. You know. So like that's the emphasis. All right. So in terms of the cycling events, there's kind of a lot to, to know. There's a lot of different categories. There's track, there's road, there's the time trial. 
I don't even know really where to start, but I wanted to talk to you about how to how to approach the Paralympics and how to watch the Paralympics when you don't know a ton about the different categories and what they mean. Absolutely. Um, similar to the Olympics, um, in, in Paralympic cycling, there are, there are only two disciplines uh, at the Paralympic Games, track and road, and then within each of those disciplines are multiple events. Um, <clears throat> a lot of the events are, I guess, for the individual sports, um, they're categorized, and the easiest way to think of different categories within Paralympics sports in general is to think of them like weight classes. So classifications group similarly abled athletes together, just like you would have, you know, a, somebody who's 50 kilos would not be wrestling against somebody that's 100 kilos. So you kind of you group out those similarly abled athletes, and then they compete against each other within that classification. How, how many different classifications of the road race is there? Yeah, so that's a really good question. Within, this is kind of like an onion. So within cycling, there are different um, types of bike that people will use. So tandems, uh, two-person tandems for athletes with um, visual impairments. Um, they ride on a tandem with a sided pilot. That's the person in the front. Um, does the steering and um, shifting and, and braking, and they have to communicate with each other to work together. You know, they're on they're on a tandem together, um, and so the pilot's job is to relay what's coming up um, in the terrain or if an attack is is happening. Um, and so those two athletes have to be perfectly in sync. <clears throat> That's one group. There's hand cycles, uh, so arm powered bikes, um, kind of self-explanatory there, um, upright bikes, that's a two wheeled bike, um, for people with either minimal or no balance impairments. And then there are trikes, upright trikes, um, for athletes with severe balance impairments, um, that could not otherwise balance on a two wheeled bike, uh, but are still leg powered. So four groups, tandems, hand cycles, two-wheelers, and trikes. So the breakdown of this, and if anybody wants to read about it, uh, Matt Deneef has done a breakdown on the website as well. So you can check out his article on everything you kind of need to know to understand the the different categories and everything. But the breakdown is by a letter. So there's HCBT, T being trikes, B's being blind, um, those are the tan for the tandems, and then H for hand cycles and C for cycles, two-wheeled cycles. Those get broken down into one, some have just one number associated, some have multiple, uh, like one, two, three, four, some have just four or five. There's a bunch of different. And now I'm afraid that we're getting that my explanation is not going to be clear enough. So okay. well, that's four, fine. there's four groups. <laughs> so there's the four groups, tandems, hand cycles, trikes, and cycles. 
with each of those four groups, depending on your level of ability, you'll be scored one through whatever. Two, uh, there's two trait categories. Um, there's only one tandem category. So all of the blind and visually impaired cyclists race together against each other. Um, and then there are five hand cycle categories and five cycle categories. All right. And so there's within the road side of it, there's the road race and the TT, Yep. which is done on a similar course, if not the same course as the Olympics were held on recently, Fuji International Speedway. And then the TT is just on the speedway. And then the road race does a little bit on the outside roads where uh, the Olympics were. And then the mixed team relay is something that I think sounds sounds really cool. So I was hoping you could explain that a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. The team relay is something that's unique to Paralympic cycling. You know, time trial is a time trial, road race is a road race, but the team relay is awesome. Um, it's sort of like the, uh, um, it's sort of like the four by 100 on um, a running track, except each athlete does multiple laps. So it's only for hand cycles. So it's really unique. Um, it's mixed category, can be mixed gender. Um, so it's super inclusive. And it's a team of three riders. First rider goes off, does the circuit. Usually it's about a one, anywhere from one to, I'd say three kilometers long circuit. First rider goes off, does the, does the lap tags in their teammate in second position. Then there's the second person goes and does a lap, tags in the third teammate, third person goes and does a lap. And each rider goes at least three times. Um, so it's a much longer relay, but there's a lot of strategy involved in terms of the order of your riders, because it is mixed classification. You know, do you have your super powerful, um, riders start off or do you want them to be like the anchor uh so it's it's awesome um and it's kind of like nascar f1 pit stops um except then another car would come out like afterwards like one car like one hand cyclist comes screeching in and then the other one who's fresh takes off like bad out of hell to do their lap and come in and then tag their other person so it's super cool that sounds really interesting. It also sounds like it would be really, really hard for like the person, the two people that are sitting out have to, they can't, it's not like they can cool down. Like, what do you do? You keep. Yeah. So there's, it is, it's seriously, it's like pit row. Everybody should watch it. Um, because the hand cycles, like they'll come in, the hand cyclists will come in and then you can't just stop and sit down or, you know, like go and get some water and a snack. Like you have to stay moving. You have to stay loose. Um, and so, yeah, you like come in, hop on rollers and then keep, you know, keep moving before your, before your next lap. So that sounds really cool. Yeah. And honestly, it's something that I think able-bodied cycling should adopt because it's super inclusive. You can have either, you know, different age groups do it, mixed gender, you know, whatever, pros, amateur men, women, juniors, masters, anything. Seems like it's something that the um, 
that the world, the UCI have not tried to do in any capacity, but they do have the mixed team relay or the mixed team time trial at the worlds now. Not that that has really taken hold. I don't think people have gotten as into it as maybe they should, but this sounds like a much better alternative. Yes, it is. It is a much better alternative, if I do say so myself. (laughs) And one of the things that is really nice is that it's super spectator friendly Uh, because it's a short circuit. um, You know, it's a closed course. It's a short circuit. It's pretty easy to follow. Like there's only good things about the about the hand cycle relay. And moving into the the track events, so these ones, there's less different types of bicycles used. Correct. Only the two-wheeled bikes race on the track. So the tandems and the single bikes. All the single bikes, all the single bikes. (laughs) Those ones are also broken up with numbers. Correct. And those classifications are the same from road and track. So the time trials are either 500 meters or a thousand. So the 500 for women, um, for the single bike women and a thousand for the tandems and the men. And then the pursuit. And then a kilo as well. Yeah. Similar to on the road, there's the team sprint that's also mixed. Yes, but that, so the mixed team sprint is more similar to the able-bodied team sprint. The only difference is that it's mixed classification. So you have, excuse me, so you have different riders. Um, It can be mixed gender. It can be all men, all women, whatever. Uh, There is only one class, or excuse me, there is only one event at the Paralympic Games. Um, There is no separate men's or women's team sprint, um, but it is inclusive um, of both genders and all classifications for the single bikes. Mm-hmm. So it again, there's there's a bit of strategy in forming your team because each, depending on your classification, um, one through five, you cannot exceed a certain number. So you can't have just your five, your you know, three most able riders you have to have a mix of all classifications. So for anyone who's wants to watch it, the time trial is Tuesday, August 31st. The road races are Wednesday, September 1st to Friday, September 3rd. And then the mixed team relay Thursday, September 2nd. Tune in for all of it. But if, if you are in a crunch and you can only do one, the mixed team relay sounds awesome. <laughs> yes, definitely. I would say... The mixed team relay for sure is going to be the highlight of the road. Um, but then on the track is my favorite event to watch is the tandem sprint tournament. So the tandems do 200 meter flying, 200 meter time trial, and then a full sprint tournament after that. And it is freaking awesome. Um, yeah. So for anybody out there listening, that thinks a tandem cannot track stand, watch the Paralympics and you will be blown away. One, by the speed that they do their 200s in uh, and then just the drag races around the track of two tandems sprinting like shoulder to shoulder. 
it is incredible. It sounds nerve wracking. Yes. Yes. Uh, as somebody who is now married to a retired tandem cyclist, I have never been more scared at a track race in my life than watching Clark do the sprints. And those track events are Wednesday, August 25th. So in two days and Saturday, August 28th. Yes. On for anyone, for everyone listening, depending where you are in the world, NBC Sports and all of its associations for in the U.S. In the U.K., Channel 4 will be the place to watch and the 7 Network in Australia. In Canada, you can watch it on CBC. Who are the riders to watch for for these events? Who who do you have your eye on? Who have you put your money on? Not that we're not that we're saying you should bet. Don't bet. That's but in theory. Always bet on the American cyclists. I know I'm biased, but we do have really, really good I mean a stacked team. Um this year, especially on our women's side, uh, for both the track and the road, um, we've got a re- really good. She's brand new. This is her first Paralympic Games, but Clara Brown, um, just an incredible cycling talent, actually came from the sport of gymnastics and has transitioned into cycling. Um, multiple time world champion, Pan Am Games champion, um, and is a very, very strong contender for multiple medals um, on the track and the road. Uh, our Men on our men's team, hand cycles are, I mean, the hand cyclists are just total ass kickers. Um, Will Grew is a multi-time world champion. Um, his category is H2. Um, he will be a, like, he is pretty much the core of the relay team um, and has been, again, multiple time world champion in the hand cycle relay and the time trial. Um, who else are on our men's track team? Um, we have Joe Barony, who is a previous gold medalist uh, from London, multiple time. I think uh, he's won the kilo five times, I think, at world championships. So super, super strong track rider, um, world record holder in the individual pursuit, um, actually in London. London was his first Paralympic Games. And um we in our final prep camp we were in wales um half the team went down in a terrible crash um joe broke his jaw in the crash um but elected to stay and keep competing and the commentators were um when they were announcing his pursuit where where he set the world record they're like oh my god like joe barony has a face of stone no expression joe field he looks like he's feeling no pain and afterwards he was like uh yeah i was feeling pain i could not move my face because my jaw was broken (laughs) that's why i was not making any facial expressions because my jaw was broken oh my gosh what an absolute legend yeah he is a maniac (laughs) that's awesome uh so is there a lot of crossover between the road and the track because we don't see that a ton at the olympics no um i there is a little bit of crossover um but there is becoming there's less and less crossover which personally i think is a really good thing 
um, as the sport grows, uh, we're seeing more athletes become specialists, not just in the track or the road, but specific events within each discipline. Um, you know, Chris Murphy is an American cyclist. He is a kilo specialist, like pure kilo specialist, um, who also will anchor the team sprint. Um, he'll be, you know, P3 in the team sprint. Um, and then, you know, we've also got riders on the road who, you know, will do the road race kind of similar to the, to the able-bodied side, but they focus on the time trial and then have more of a supporting role in the road race. Um, so I think it's really good. The sport is growing really quickly. Um, you know, more riders are coming in from different sports, you know, transitioning to cycling and, and finding that they have a lot of success. And it's just super exciting to see. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, is there anything else that we didn't cover? Probably. We probably missed oh a lot God, of loads of stuff, but <laughs> that'll be another episode. Well, if you were running this podcast, what, what's, what are two things that we didn't cover that people should know? Oh man, just about Paralympic cycling. Yeah. Putting you on the spot. I'm putting you on the spot real hard right now. I know. Man. Yeah. I think one, uh, an issue that's come to light, it's, I guess it's not unique to Paralympic cycling, but, um, for the first time in the, in us Olympic and Paralympic history, Paralympic athletes will be paid the same amount for winning medals as the Olympic athletes do. Uh, so that's super exciting um, to have that pay equity at the Paralympic Games level. Um, there's also, I mean, we can talk so much more about classification, um, classification problems, um, you know, like it's kind of like doping in Paralympic sport is classification issues. Mm, yeah. yeah, because I'm sure there's a lot of different variations between each of the classifications where you could break it up into even more classifications. Completely. For sure. And at yeah. that point, you might end up with fields of two or fields of yep. four. And then it gets a little bit a lot. Yes. Yes. And, you know, like, frankly, it's just it's not very exciting to watch one person ride around by themselves for mm. two hours so yeah that's definitely true although time trials can be exciting so they can be although the outcome you'd know the outcome before the <laughs> race even started true. yeah yeah to be fair There's i hate surprises so for me it sounds great i love it right? yeah i'm putting all my money on this rider to win <laughs> Is there a lot of, within the Paralympic community, is there a lot of uh, discourse about the different classifications and how things are broken up? Yes. Um, there is, I mean, like you said, you can kind of, you can keep splitting classifications and break it down smaller and smaller and smaller increments. Um, you know, it, it is a little bit arbitrary in that, like, the lines have to be drawn somewhere. Again, just like weight classes, you know, why is it 60 kilos instead of 62 kilos? It's like, well, somebody made the decision to have, have you know, to have that line in that, um, at that level. Um, you know, it's, it's, I would say that it's not a perfect system, but I don't know of a way that would be better 
Um, so, you know, a lot of people are, are unhappy. They think that there are that, well, there are aspects of it that are at times a little bit unfair. Um, but until, until we can come up with a better system, um, or until the sport can grow to a point where it is, you know, it is big enough that, you know, you could have almost like in golf where, a player has their own individual handicap, no pun intended, um, where they can, you know, apply that score to basically any course that they play on around the world. You know, until the sport gets to be that big, we're, you know, we have the system that works for us right now. Um, it's not perfect, but again, I can't think of a better, a better way to do it. Are there any races outside of the Paralympics that are categorizing the races differently? No, no. So the classification system is the same across all Paralympic events. Um, there are sometimes, um, you know, like domestic races, the fields are just going to be smaller than an international race. Um, so th there might be classifications that get grouped together. Um, to ensure that field sizes are big enough to have, you know, competition. Uh, but it is, it's the same classification, whether it's world championships, Paralympic games, national championships, um, and, and everything in between. I mean, I guess all sports, there's always going to be something that needs to be improved upon. So that's true of all sports and all of life. But you know, the important thing is for, for riders to, and spectators too, to watch, to support, you know, to continue pushing for those improvements to happen um, wherever and whenever they might be available. And to just keep keep shining the spotlight on on the sports. Yeah, and, and that's one of the reasons I wanted to, to talk to you today. I think a lot of people... Um, maybe get a little overwhelmed trying to figure out what exactly is going on when it comes to the Paralympics and how many categories there are and what people are watching. And I thought that it would be cool to pull you in, someone who's who's been there, who's done it, um, and learn a little bit more about, you know, kind of just like the Paralympics for dummies. How do I how do I know what I'm watching when I'm watching? And when you're watching everything this week, you can pull up the guide that Matt Denise wrote. And that's a really, really handy cheat sheet for where, what each category is and um, kind of what you're watching when you're watching it. Yeah. Well, we, we covered a good amount, even got into controversy. <laughs> I can't thank you enough for your time and coming on the podcast. I think it'd be really awesome to, do a recap when it's done so we can approach that subject uh in the next week or so but thank you so much for for coming on the podcast and and teaching us about the paralympics mm -hmm.